Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy, which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics. The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Kate Andrews, who is economics correspondent here at The Spectator. And we're going to be asking, what was the point in impeaching Donald Trump once again? Now, Kate, Donald Trump's had him having a bad week. He's been impeached again. And I've just read that um, Macaulay Culkin now wants him to be removed from Home Alone 2. Wow. Uh, that is an escalation of the bad I think actually might having. be a bigger blow to Trump's ego. I don't think I'm exaggerating. That might be a bigger blow to Trump's ego than a second impeachment, which he might sort of almost wear as a badge of pride. I don't think you're exaggerating either in the sense that Donald Trump has spent a career trying to propel himself into the media. And he used uh, his success as a businessman and his real estate to get himself into Home Alone 2, into Sex in the City. It's incredible the references to Donald Trump in pop culture if you go back a few decades. So I don't think you're wrong, Freddie, to say that that will actually upset him quite a lot. Of course, what's deeply upset the American people is how he acted at a rally last week, which many believe uh, was an incitement of violence on the Capitol. Brilliant pivot. Uh, I'm just going to congratulate you on that superb pivot back to the subject. Why we are talking about impeachment today? Well, I think uh, my my uh, very British, I suppose, view of it is this is a very futile and perhaps even backfiring move from the Democrats to do this. And every time in the last five years that Donald Trump has done something very stupid and seemed to have given uh, the Democrats a huge opportunity, they managed to blow it. And I think that might be what they're doing with this sort of really, it's sort of, it's an overused phrase, but it's really a virtue signalling impeachment, really, because it's pointless. So from the perspective of removing the president, it is certainly the case that if you were to successfully impeach him or invoke the 25th Amendment, you would be talking about a mere matter of days that he wouldn't be president when he otherwise would have been. So I suppose from that perspective, it isn't as meaningful if, say, they had been successful when they first impeached him in December 2019. But of course, the other side of that is that if he is found guilty in the Senate of incitement of an insurrection. That is certainly at the top of the list of reasons that a president would be impeached. And I think this is difficult because many are saying, similarly to what you just said, Freddie, well, you know, this is signaling what is the point. The flip side of that is this is signaling because a violent mob raided the Capitol building. They tried to stop Joe Biden formally being announced president of the United States. This is a severe hit to U.S. democracy and its reputation around the world. And the president is directly linked to it. And so if we don't signal that that is a problem, you know, what what are we condoning in our silence? And that is the big question that Senate Republicans are now going to face when they are asked to vote on this. And I suppose from a political perspective, it's very difficult because they are being asked to put to a vote now the extent to which they silently condone or publicly condemn what the president did. Well, uh, let me play Donald's advocate. Sure. Uh, Good luck. Briefly. Yeah, I don't think 
that Trump can necessarily be proven to have committed a high crime or misdemeanor or an impeachable offence, because if you actually look at what he said, technically he has always called for peace. He didn't. He was perhaps slow in reacting and to saying um, we need peace. We're the party of law and order after it happened. But in the speech, uh, he said we, we, he, he talked about peace. He did not directly incite a riot. Well, the point of impeachment is that it doesn't necessarily have to meet the legal thresholds that you would otherwise face in a court of law. One but it has of, to be a high crime or misdemeanor. It, I think that would have to be the grounds on which they would get it. Yes, but, and, and crucially, two-thirds of the Senate would have to agree with that definition. And one of the reasons that it is two-thirds and not simply a majority is because to impeach a president is such a major move. The Constitution requires that there's bipartisan support for that. Now, I suppose you can imagine a scenario where one party is so so dominant at the time that you know it, it has two-thirds majority, but deeply unlikely in our checks and balance system. So what it's saying is a really large minority of Republicans would have to agree with the Democrats that the president was trying to incite an insurrection. That is one of the reasons that it's thought that when the Senate finally does come to vote, and it looks like, according to the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, that will not be before the 20th of January, when Joe Biden officially becomes, is inaugurated and officially becomes president, it seems like even after, you won't have that support from the Republican Party. I think what's interesting, though, going forward is by being forced to cast this vote in a few years' time, I think a lot of Republicans are going to be held to that vote. And sort of taking my opinion out of it, just looking at where the party is now, if Trump continues his hold on the party, voting for convicting him, voting for impeachment, could harm those who have aspiration to higher office. If the party moves away from Trump, I think there are many arguments to say that they should now, perhaps should have quite some time ago, then voting against the impeachment of Trump could also hurt the candidate. So there's a real political calculation going on alongside an ethical one. And that political calculation, uh, Republican senators will have to be, and indeed Republican congressmen yesterday, will have to be taking into account the fact that 90% of polled Republicans, Republican voters, uh, support Donald Trump. It's remarkable, really, the extent to which the president took over the party from an ideological perspective in really a very short period of time. This is not a man who has committed his life and his career to the Republican Party, as many of the other hopefuls have done. This is somebody who has given money to Democratic candidates, has associated as a Democrat before, came in 2015 and decided he was a Republican. So in a really short period of time, took hold of the party. And this will be a calculation. It's a much more difficult calculation now, though. Right after the election in November, you couldn't look at that result and think that the Democrats had a landslide. I mean, sure, Joe Biden clearly won the presidency, as we discovered a few days later. However, Republicans were very successful on the state level. They were in a great position to keep the Senate. And you could have taken from that vote that even if Donald Trump isn't going to be the president, Trumpism is certainly going to be a part of American politics and culture. Two months on, given what the president has done and constantly denying the results of the election, saying it was a fraud, saying it was a sham, all leading up to this horrible raid on the Capitol, I think it is much harder now, even if the base still is with the president, to argue for Trumpism. Much harder now to separate the man from the politics. One aspect of this that people have talked about with the last impeachment of Trump uh, over Ukraine, which was amazingly 
only back in January. It was about this time last year. I think it was December 2019. I saw saw a few comments about how 2020 was a good year for the president because he wasn't actually impeached that year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've seen comments that <laughs> January is actually impeachment season. Right. So you're just going to have this every year. And in fact, <laughs> someone called Representative Marjorie Green. I believe a Republican in Cong- must be a Republican in Congress has said she's going to impeach Biden uh, the day the first day she can. So you could get impeachflation uh, <laughs> happening over the next few years, where really it's just a sort of device that Congress uses every now and then to signal its disapproval of the president. And and I mean, if you look historically, you you didn't have. An impeachment. You didn't have a threatened impeachment. I don't believe until Nixon, or the an imminent impeachment until Nixon, and then and then you have Clinton. Quite soon after, you have Trump. Twice, mm. uh, it, it's going to become a, a a sort of pointless thing. It's actually terrifying to think about this idea that in an, in America's democratic republic impeaching a president, trying to remove somebody who was democratically put there, would just become a normal tactic. However, I say that, and I I think that this latest impeachment is quite different because, I mean, Richard Nixon broke the law. Bill Clinton lied under oath. I think, frankly, what Trump did in Ukraine was, was quite dubious. This one is different. Now, look, maybe I'm saying that because I'm living through it, right? And I was I was a kid when Bill Clinton was in office and the rest of it. But what America witnessed last week feels like a genuine threat to the principles that have made the country so great and you cannot separate the president from what happened and the comments that he made to get us there so look again I I think it puts people in a very difficult position because you have Joe Biden saying let's have unity let's move forward he isn't the one who's obviously pushing trying to get the president out of office a few days early but I don't think it's enough now for the Republicans just to say, let's have unity, because the truth of the matter is that a lot of excuses have been made in the past four years, but certainly the past two months, for Donald Trump, for many of the false accusations that he has made about the election. A lot of Republicans in the House and the Senate have ties to supporting him, so they are under even more pressure now to decide if that's the path they really want to continue down, or if maybe we could come to a place where we challenge the president, we challenge our elected representatives, but we don't always claim that they're not legally supposed to be there. And so if if Trump is impeached, I think you believe that uh, the Republican Party might sort of move away from Trumpism. And let's say he's impeached, as it seems he probably will be, after, possibly will be, after Biden's inauguration assuming that's legal, nobody's quite sure, I don't think, he will not be able to stand for the presidency again. What happens to Trumpism? Does it? Be, does the family take it over? Does it become Donald Jr. or possibly Ivanka? Or do you think uh, the party gravitates back to, to the sort of Bush, Mitt Romney party that you so loved? Well... I wouldn't necessarily lump all of Bush's decisions and Mitt Romney's policy platforms together. But to your point about whether or not they can retrospectively impeach him, legal experts, the consensus seems to be that they probably could, based on precedent, having done so with other kinds of elected officials before. And it's also thought that this could bar him from running in 2024. Uh, Does it pivot back? Probably not. 
I mean, I, I think the Republican Party is more likely to be lost, you know, trying to find its way through the fog for many years before it actually just goes back to saying, you know what, definitely the years of neoconservatism and, and, and bombing foreign countries was the right way forward. I think everyone's let go of that perspective. Does it hold on to Trump? I mean, maybe maybe it does. I, I don't know yet, but I continue to suspect, and I think you can even see it in the past week, how much of the ideology is connected to the man himself. It is not obvious that there's a lot of love for Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley, the senators who have been banging the drum for Trump, especially these past few months around the election, but there still is love for the president. So I'm I'm not convinced that just any old candidate can pick up his policy platforms and run with them, which suggests that there's going to be a great debate to play out amongst the Republican Party. And I'm not at all convinced that the old guard wins. But I'm not sure Trumpism has been a staple in America long enough for that to really become the future of the Republican Party for decades either. It's certainly true that Hawley and Cruz, in judging from sort of a snap idea of public opinion, seem to have messed up the last few days. They're not. Uh, They nakedly jumped on this uh, stolen election uh, narrative, if you like, and, the uh, rising stars have fallen slightly. And they've, yeah. they've fallen a bit, yes. But there are other Trump-aligned figures who probably have emerged with a bit more dignity. And then there are, let's call them the, the total swamp creatures, like someone like Lindsey Graham, who was very, very never Trump until he saw which way the wind was blowing, mm-hmm. and then very sort of eagerly embraced Trump's presidency and was a sort of disgusting, mm-hmm. disgusting politician, basically. And uh, he, has, he was quick, again, to condemn Trump afterwards. And it just feels so fake to people. Yeah. And I wonder whether that's what will really be purged in the coming years, is these Republicans who aren't rhinos, uh, they just don't stand for anything. That's a very good point. Authenticity seems to be something that people are valuing more and more. That is, you know, like him or loathe him. Donald Trump was who he was. He never hid himself from the world. Yes. And um, in 2016, voters responded to that. His fraudulence was so authentic. So authentic. I think there's a, a really solid argument that Joe Biden is similar. He never pretended to be particularly unique or to be anything other than a career politician but you knew exactly what you were getting when you voted for him which is actually why I think he won I think people just wanted that more moderate slightly more grown-up tone for a while so perhaps as you say Freddie it is those who were just willing to go with the wind that are in the most trouble I'm interested in what happens to the likes of Nikki Haley who was you know in Trump's inner circle but left a while ago now and has a bit of distance and has actually come out very strong in the past few days saying we need to recognize what went wrong, we need to criticize the president. I think debate between people like her who can claim to have been on the Trump train but got off and can acknowledge what's gone wrong and then the likes of the Hollies and the Cruises who really want to keep Trumpism alive will be really interesting. And to what extent the independents and the wider public forgive is perhaps the wrong word but to what extent they will associate people who tried to work with the president as being, you know, Trump fans or those who were just being pragmatic because they knew he was going to be there. So, I mean, a lot of questions. And and then, you know, the never Trumpers are also quite authentic. I don't know if the party's ready to completely let go of the president in the next two years, say, to get to the midterm election. But you can also point out a few people who can confidently say, I, I never back the president. We'll see what appetite there is for that. 
And let's say, lastly, let's say a figure like Nikki Haley does manage to take a, a, a party establishment figure, really, like Nikki Haley does manage to take back the party. You'd probably see people speculating that you'd see the emergence of a sort of patriot party that could be quasi political, quasi revolutionary, a kind of American first movement that is so disgruntled with the political system that doesn't really believe that elections are valid, that is riddled with conspiracy theories. And it could actually be surprisingly large, mm. a surprisingly significant movement in American politics. Mm. I mean, for a very long time now, America has just not had the breakthrough of a third party. There was talk in 2016 with the two most unlikable candidates being selected to run for the presidency that the Libertarian Party might break through and it simply didn't. But is it more possible now? I think so. The question is whether or not they could ever organize themselves to actually get the momentum to challenge the Republican Party and whether or not it could be like something like the Tea Party movement which was hugely successful in the grassroots base but had a real operation had money and had a purpose behind it or whether or not as you say because they don't take politics not as seriously, but because they don't believe in the results, because they're a bit more minded to conspiracy theories, because they're just messier overall, whether or not they could actually get that traction. They might be loud on alternative media platforms, but they would have to make that transfer to what happens on the ground. And if they're, you know, as we just saw in Georgia, if their platform is these elections are rigged, don't go out and vote, you can't trust the result. I'm not sure they will end up challenging the Republican Party in any meaningful way. So it, it would really depend on who was leading that, what efforts were behind it, and how serious they were. We're well, going to pick you up on one point there. They're not that noisy on alternative media platforms because they're being <laughs> completely shut down. Being completely shut down. So if you want to create a revolutionary movement, quite a good idea is to suppress their free speech and make sure they have their own private forums to discuss things on. Kate, thank you very much for joining us on Americano. Thanks for having me, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 